Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. We're going to spend the hour today talking about the way we let uh, representatives sort of represent us in the state of Michigan and in the U.S. Congress. How do we divide up the lines that determine who represents whom in our state legislature or in Congress for a really long time. We have done that through a process that we call partisan gerrymandering. Whoever is in charge in the state capitol in the zero year, the census year of, uh, of election, gets to decide what the map looks like. The legislature works with the governor, and if it's all one party that's in charge of those things, then they get to decide and draw the map to their advantage. Is that fair? Does that get us to the sort of democratic uh, peak that we want to have in this country? Or are there better ways to draw those lines? Is this something that shouldn't be in partisan hands, but that we ought to try to put into some more neutral uh, feature. That's where we are going to start the conversation today. Um, And this is an issue that we have been dealing with for a long time here in the state of Michigan, but we aren't alone. There are a lot of other states that have talked about this issue. Uh, Some states have gone ahead and tried different things, uh, tried to, to make this a fair process. Uh, we want to talk about it today in anticipation of 2018 when we believe that there will be an opportunity for uh, for us to do things differently here in the state of Michigan. Uh, Voters Not Politicians is a group that has been collecting signatures. You have probably run into a volunteer or two somewhere around uh, your community uh, to get a question on the ballot over how to prevent partisan gerrymandering here in the state of Michigan. The ballot measure would create a bipartisan commission that would oversee redistricting every 10 years instead of the legislature doing it on its own. Uh, Right now, as I said, the party in charge really gets to decide what those districts look like. A lot of people say that's representatives choosing their voters instead of voters choosing their politicians. And it has worked that way for some time. And here in the state of Michigan, because Republicans have had such a strong hand in the legislature and in the governor's mansion in those zero years, they have been redrawing the map in a way that favors their party for more than 20 years. What do you think about that? Do you believe that that's the way we ought to do it? Do you think there maybe is a better way? What is the, What about the idea of a bipartisan commission? What about other ways that we might approach that? All hour today, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Tell us what you think about the process of line drawing here in Michigan with the legislature and the U.S. Congress. And joining us up front to talk about that ballot initiative in particular is Katie Fahey. She is the president and treasurer of Voters Not Politicians. Katie, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having uh, us on. Absolutely. Uh, As I said uh, in the open, I, I think almost anybody could at this point knows one of your circulators <laughs> in the sense <laughs> that uh, I, I have seen them at every event that I've gone to uh, 
uh, in the last six or seven months, it feels like. Uh, and of course, I always have to say, well, I'm a journalist. I can't sign petitions. Uh, and I feel like I've had to say it more often than I have with almost any other uh, petition. But 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 talk about uh, this initiative. Talk about the effort to get signatures, how that's going. Uh, but then talk about what this would do if it were to make the ballot and Michiganders were to vote in favor of it next year. Sure. Yeah. And I love hearing that you're seeing our circulators everywhere. The very cool part about that is this is across the state. So whether you're up in Marquette in the UP, in Detroit, Lansing, uh, Alpena, we have people everywhere. This is a political campaign that actually started off of a Facebook post that was just putting a call out to our state saying, hey, if you're interested in working on a you know, fair, transparent, nonpartisan solution to redistricting, let us know. And because it was online, it quickly just spread across the geography of our state. Um, and it's truly been a campaign that includes everybody everywhere. Uh, it's all volunteer. We have over uh, 4,000 volunteers that are plugged in into teams and over uh, 3,000 who are directly circulating. So that's probably another reason why you've seen our circulators everywhere. Uh, but it's people, you know, on their own time wanting to make sure this happens and who've been dedicated to it for almost um, a year now, uh, which is really exciting too, because a year ago we were all virtual strangers and now we're kind of like this big family that, you know, wants to really make some change in our state. Uh, because, as you were mentioning, this is uh, an issue where there's a lot of power that's wielded by a couple people in Lansing mm -hmm. that uh, is really unfair to being representative to the people of Michigan. How the people of Michigan vote uh, doesn't line up with the seats that get allocated in both Lansing and in Washington. Yeah. And, uh, talk about that yeah. that incongruity there. In other words, what do you mean by the way people vote doesn't line up with the way we end up seeing the, the, the parties represented, represented in Lansing and Washington? Yeah, so right now in Michigan, actually for the last several decades, uh, although big one or two percentage points, we might end up voting for one party or another. If you look at overall how Michigan's voting, you have about 50% of the population voting for Republicans and about 50% of the population voting for Democrats. Yet instead of having 50% of our state representatives be Democrats and the other 50% be Republicans, depending which party has drawn these lines, you will see that that party has more seats. So, for example, right now, uh, our congressional seats, we have 14 of them. Again, we voted about 50-50. So you'd expect each side to have seven seats each, but one side has nine seats and the other has five. And it's not because of how people have voted. It's because how these lines are drawn to manipulate the votes and the will of the people to pack similar voters together or to divide them up so that they have a guaranteed majority of that vote, um, even though the overall state wouldn't vote that way, yeah. uh, which leads to, you know, a lack of compromise. It leads to one party having a majority, even though uh, the popular opinion of the Michigan people would likely be something else. Yeah. Uh, talk about your circulators. Uh, you say this is a bipartisan effort. <clears throat> Do you have Republicans who are out circulating this petition asking people to sign it? Yes, we do. And I mean, especially uh, over in the Detroit area, you know, there are uh, in a, in that area, you know, we, we have, you know, representatives who consistently are elected 
uh, as Democrats, even though some voters feel very differently. Uh, and the unfortunate part is because of gerrymandering, those voices are continuously not listened to. Um, and gerrymandering, it happens, the redistricting process happens once every 10 years. So it's 10 years worth of elections at a time that one party is deciding the outcome of those elections. We do not have really competitive elections at the statewide and the congressional level uh, House and Senate races. Uh, and um, because uh, people are continuously not listened to, they're fed up and they want change and they see that the current system's corrupt. It's not leading to solutions for our state and they want to be able to do something about it. So we see people from across the political aisle, uh, Republicans, Democrats, independents, third parties. And actually, we see a lot of people who, you know, don't like voting because they don't feel like their vote matters, but they see that this is a way that their vote can start to matter. So people who haven't really been engaged, who are starting to become engaged because they see that this could actually be a solution. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Katie Fahey, a president and treasurer of Voters Not Politicians, a group that is circulating petitions right now, collecting signatures to get an effort to change the way we draw district lines at the state legislative level and the U.S. Congress level uh, onto the ballot next year in 2018. It is an effort to reframe the idea of partisan gerrymandering, which is the way we do it now. The party that is in charge, uh, when we, after we get the census results every 10 years, that party really gets to draw those lines however it wants to, and often draws those lines in favor of maximizing the number of representatives from that party who are in the legislature and in Congress. Is there a better way? Uh, this uh, this uh, effort by voters, not politicians, would put the decisions in the hands of a bipartisan commission that would then draw the lines. Is that a better way? Are there other better ways? And do you think in general we ought to rethink the way that we choose who represents whom in our legislature and in Congress? Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. And also tell us, what do you think of the current makeup of the legislature or our congressional delegation? Do you feel like you're represented by the folks who are in Lansing or in Washington? Or do you feel like uh, maybe your voice doesn't get heard in the current conversation? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We're talking about this subject all hour and a little bit. We're going to hear from Stu Sandler, a Republican political consultant and co-founder of Grand River Strategies. He thinks the current system works just fine the way it is. Uh, then we're going to talk with two professors from Carnegie Mellon University in Pennsylvania who have come up with a different way to choose representatives. It's not a bipartisan commission or partisan uh, gerrymandering. It's a third way, I guess you might call it. Uh, we'll hear from them about that. Then we're also going to talk with a reporter in Wisconsin where uh, a case from that state is headed to the Supreme Court. Um, uh, as they heard arguments a few weeks ago in that case, and we will probably get a decision before the end of the year or before the end of the term uh, that might change the way everybody has to do this. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or 
uh, go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Katie, a lot of people I talk to say this is just the way it works. This is the way it has worked for a long time, and it's just sour grapes to say that uh, people are not represented. In other words, if it were Democrats who were in charge, uh, they would do the same thing, and maybe you wouldn't be as exercised about the idea of partisan gerrymander. How do you how do you answer that uh, that charge? Democrats do do this. They've not only done it in Michigan, but they're currently doing it in other states like Illinois and Maryland. And um, it's this fundamentally wrong issue that you learn about starting in fifth grade in history class uh, and that it's wrong and that there are um, other ways to do it. There's 13 other states who have adopted an independent commission. Uh, What you see are people are happy with their representatives. We have an all time low of us being happy with our Congress and our Senate. Uh, People don't like the solutions that are being made. And I think specifically in Michigan, if you look at the will of the people, you look at our roads, you look at the emergency manager law, you look at our water, there's a lot of unpopular things that continue to happen where the voices of people, what the voters are saying and asking for continues to not happen. And that means that our current system isn't working. And a big part of that is we don't have elections where uh, the political party after the primary is worried about getting unelected. It's pretty much they can guarantee a certain number of voters for their side are going to show up and they don't have to work for your vote. They don't have to pay attention to you beyond just that election piece. You know, they're in office just paying attention to lobbyists or large interests that want them to do whatever their agenda is instead of listening to people, which is this fundamental part of our democracy, our our ability to have our voices heard, to be listened to by our representative, even if they're from a different political party. But that's not what we have right now. Um, And what you see in other states who have passed independent commissions are not only higher voter turnout, more people who feel engaged because they feel like their votes do matter, but you do see as well people are happier with their representatives and you see a turnover And even if the party doesn't switch, that um, you have new people in politics who are able to get in for the first time. Because the other part of this is the politicians who are running in these races are drawing the lines for their own race. If they know where their opponents live, they can draw them out of that race, all because they're in charge of drawing the lines and nobody else is. It's an inherent conflict of interest where you have the, you know, fox guarding the hen house. And it consistently leads our elections not really being as powerful as they could be. Okay, Katie Fahey, president and treasurer of Voters Not Politicians, thanks very much uh, for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. All right, uh, we're going to switch gears here a little bit and talk to Stu Sandler, who is a Republican political uh, consultant and a co-founder of Grand River Strategy. Stu, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, it's good to have uh, good to be on here, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've got you coming behind Katie Fahey to yeah. try to, I guess, to maybe answer a little bit of what uh, she's saying about this idea of a bipartisan commission, the idea that the way we do it now is unfair. You feel differently about uh, this Yeah, I, I mean, let's not uh, beat around the bush here. This is an absolute partisan effort by Democrats to try to improve their gains. They've run some awful elections in Michigan. Uh, they've made some bad strategy, they've had some bad candidates, and they've lost. I mean, Katie Fahey pl- claims she's a nonpartisan. How many nonpartisans fly out to the victory party of Hillary Clinton 
And in the AP, it's reported, uh, you know, she was there that night, and her quote in the paper was, my disappointment makes me not trust the rest of the world. I don't even want to go out. I want to wear sweatpants and curl myself up in a corner. That doesn't sound like a nonpartisan. That's someone who flew from, you know, from uh, Grand Rapids to New York who is very engaged in the, in the process of trying to elect a Democratic uh, you know, presidential nominee. Right. Okay, but but so that's that's I mean that's who she is as a person. But it's not only her; it's Democratic activists like Walt Sorg, Davia sure. Downey. I mean, you look through that campaign finance report. You look at their organization. They are all Democrats. They are all trying to change this process right. to yeah. try to get an advantage that they can't have because of their candidates. But but if you go to another state, for instance, right? Well, uh, well go to California. Uh, go to the state. If you that go to Maryland, hold on a second. About. Hold on a second, Stu. Sure. I lived in Maryland for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, and in Maryland, Democrats engage in this very same behavior, right? Uh, they they are an overwhelming majority already in the state, and they use that majority to make sure uh, that that they maximize Democratic advantages, right? So there, there are far fewer Republicans in the Congress and in the State House than there would be uh, if you if you did it along uh, fair lines, and and Republicans in that state are are saying the same thing that this is unfair. So uh, so to well, to try to reduce it to a partisan issue, I think uh, obscures the substantive issue here, which is why should we allow either party to make the decisions on its own? What's the well, argument in favor of that? I can tell you, Stephen, this argument happened thirty years ago in Michigan, when the Supreme Court basically said, look. You keep trying to put on us redistricting is a political question, and you keep trying to force the court into this box. Let us come up with the best alternative. And the independent judge, uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Levin, who was the only independent on the court at the time, mm-hmm. appointed Bernie Apol, who at the time was, uh, I, I believe he was a, um, an employee for the Secretary of State, came up with the Apol standards, which all the redistricting had to abide by. There are two criteria that basically our redistricting standards are applied to. The APOL standards and the Voting Rights Act. The APOL standards basically have a few criteria. One man, one vote. But but, but Stu, come on. Uh, We have a a situation where there are far more Democratic votes cast for legislature and Congress than there are for Republicans. And And there are a few reasons why. Number one, because they have to apply, because we comply with the Voting Rights Act, which right. gets two majority minority districts, these districts are overwhelmingly Democrat because of the pattern. But the way you draw the lines, voters. the way you draw the lines, you're packing them in. And well, and the reason I can say that is that we had a process uh, just a few years ago where a, a group of students, kids, uh, came up with a map that would fit the Voting Rights Act requirements and fit uh, con- uh, contiguous uh, districts, all of the things, meet all the requirements, and would do less to pack black voters into the, into the two districts that they are in now. You have almost all of the black voters in the state in two, in two districts that are drawn like uh, jigsaw puzzles. Uh, so so you can't make an argument. You can't. The decreasing population in Detroit. But they don't have to do it that way. Stu, you say they have to. Stu, you say they Stu, they say. comply with the April yeah. standards. Yeah. This is how you have to comply. But that map you, did. At, there was another to, map that did, Stu. Why, why was the other map? Why was the other map uh, just as easily able to meet those standards? I'm talking about the map. This map was submitted to the legislature? No, the map that was submitted in the competition that was run uh, 
uh, for just anybody to go out and, and draw maps. And this is my point. This was a group of students who aren't experts but figured out the rules and figured out how to draw a map that would actually represent people better, and it met all of the standards. I, I, when, you, when you apply the APOL standards, which are one man, one vote, and having to keep where you can, counties intact and municipalities intact, and have to, keep, have to comply with the Voting Rights Act, these are the kind of districts you come up with. I, I, you know, the, Stu, that that fails that fails the veracity test on its Th- face that fails because your we've test we've even, had that doesn't mean it fails. No, the test it, that you have to comply it, with it. It fails you the did, test of why did we why know, do we have to do it this way now? It, the, the, the districts look so different now than they did twenty years ago. The law hasn't changed, Stu. What's changed is the ability no. of parties to look in at data in a very very small. Uh, 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 way to be able to draw the lines around somebody's house. We weren't able to do that 20 or 30 years ago. Two things that you're talking about. Number one, these maps have to be approved by the Justice Department, which they, they were. They're also open to legal challenges, which they, which none of us uh, have And we've seen one. The we've second part we've of seen it one is, in Wisconsin you, you know, now. what has changed in the past 20 years is the population migration. African Americans have left Detroit. That, so now you have to go to other communities to come up with the majority-minority districts. Well, uh, Sue, uh, you, you keep falling back on that this is the only way, and yet, no, and yet, and, and yet, that's, a way that that's not. It's not what, a way that works. What, what it's Katie, not a way that works for representation. It's no, a way it that works for partisan what Katie, advantage. What, what Katie's system does, number one, is it puts in jeopardy the, the majority minority districts in the Voting Rights Act, and number two, it creates fiefdoms in different places. It creates fiefdoms in the Secretary of State's office, which, which would have which would have almost ultimate power. It takes the governor out of the process who's elected statewide. You can't gerrymander a statewide district. I mean, one of the reasons that you know Republicans have kicked Democrats' tails because they run bad elections in this state. And if you look well, at no it one's arguing that. But, the, but again, you keep reducing it to the idea of specific partisan terms. I guess what, what I was hoping to talk to you about was the general principles here mm-hmm. that that people ought to, people ought to have uh, representation in the in the legislature and in Congress that that representation ought to reflect the population of the state and not just an effort to to of by one party or the other to make uh, the the map to their advantage. I mean, you, you don't seem you don't seem prepared to address that. You want no, to talk I, about I it in terms of partisan have representation uh, like that. But I think the difference between what you me you and I are talking about is. You see the state as being reflected in a certain way, and I think the people vote the way that they're getting their representation. I, th- I think I think it ought to represent the way people vote. I, in other words, that that if if it's a democratic state, then then you're but talking you, about inculcating minority rule by having a minority of Republicans draw the map in the how, in the only way that maximizes Republican advantage. Well, if you drew the map another this, way, this, Republicans this wouldn't have the majority of the state, seats, right? If this is a democratic state. Donald Trump won this state in the presidential election. He's the first Rick Republican Snyder in 25 years to win this state. elections in a governor's office. We have a Republican secretary of state. We have a Republican attorney general. Mm-hmm. Isn't it possible that sometimes people are voting for the representation they actually want versus you thinking this is in some sort of manipulated process? I think in the, in the legislative branch, it's the way that the districts are drawn that produce the outcome we have. That's what I think. And I don't think anybody could argue logically that it's, that, that it's not that. And you're not you're not arguing that I hope, uh, but but you certainly wouldn't be able to prove that if you drew the if you drew the map to be more representative, you'd end up with 
a, a delegation that was more representative. All right, uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Stu Sandler, Republican political consultant, co-founder of Grand River Strategies. Uh, we're talking about uh, redistricting. We're talking about gerrymandering, uh, partisan gerrymandering. There is a, an effort to get a question on the ballot next year that would change the way we have line drawing in this state. What do you think about that? What do you think about the way in which we do it now? Do you feel represented by uh, by the, the people who represent us in Lansing and in Washington? If you want to join the conversation, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. We're going to take a quick break. Stu Sandler, thank you very much for being here uh, on Detroit Today. When we come back, we're going to talk to two professors from Carnegie Mellon University in Pennsylvania who have come up with yet another way to make this process look a little more sane. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Your city. Your town. Your voice. 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking this hour about partisan gerrymandering and whether we might come up with a different way to draw lines for legislature and the U.S. Congress. Uh, picture this. Two kids are fighting over who gets to eat one cookie. Their mother or their father tells them, in order to be fair, that they're going to split the cookie in half. One kid will cut the cookie, and the other kid will get to choose which piece they want. The I Cut You Choose strategy has been implemented at countless dinner tables, and two Carnegie Mellon professors say that's the strategy that could be applied to dividing up congressional districts to make them more fair. Here's how the plan works. One party, let's say Republicans, draws the redistricting map as they see fit, abiding by all the population-based laws and rules. The Republicans then send their version of the map over to Democrats, and those Democrats choose one district they want to freeze or lock in as permanent. Then they redraw the map as they see it around that frozen district. And then they send their version of the map back to the Republicans, and the Republicans then freeze the district they want locked in, redraw, and send back to the Democrats, and so on and so forth until the whole map is filled in. Is that a process that would produce a different result, a better result, a more representative result than partisan gerrymandering? Two professors from Carnegie Mellon University say it is. Ariel Prakacha is an associate professor of computer science at Carnegie Mellon, and Wesley Pegden is an associate professor of mathematical sciences at Carnegie Mellon. They join me now to talk about this iCut You Choose system. Ariel and Wesley, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, thanks for having us. Yes. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, so let's start with the, the idea of what this would produce. I mean, I think I tried to explain as best as I could how this works there in the open, uh, but by uh, allowing the parties still to be involved in the process, but limiting the power, I guess, that they have to make decisions, do you really end up with a map that that looks more representative than than other than others? Yeah, so our answer is yes. Um, based on mathematical reasoning, what we can show is that um, the following kind of um, mathematical guarantee 
if a party has uh, a certain uh, level of support in the population, a percentage of support, then we can show a tight connection to the percentage of seats they would win in this process. So, for example, if a party has 50% support in the population, they would win 50% of the seats. If they have 45% support in the population, for example, they would win 41% of the seats, which is not exactly the same, but quite, but quite similar to the desired result. So like in K-cutting, we can uh, show provable fairness guarantees, mathematical fairness guarantees regarding the outcome of this process in a mathematical model. And and math, I think, is is important, obviously, uh, to to this process. But the politics of it uh, are are the thing that always get in the way. Wesley Pegden, talk about how this changes uh, changes that political influence. Well, yeah. So I, I guess currently the thinking for how you can address gerrymandering is that you have to take the the, the process out of the political realm entirely, you know, find some sort of independent body to do the districting. And there have been uh, attempts to do this, and uh, uh, some, I, I would say, have, have probably improved the districting situation where, where they've been implemented. But uh, the point of our method is to show that it's possible to improve the fairness in districting without finding some truly independent actors to draw the district for you, right? If you imagine, if you think for a second, uh, how would I find, you know, some people that would be truly politically independent to draw a nice district that we could all agree on? It's not exactly clear how you go about finding such people. So the point of our protocol is that you can improve fairness while without trying to fight the political nature of the process. You know, you can just take advantage of the competitive instincts of the two parties and get something that's better than what we have now. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones to join that conversation about partisan gerrymandering, 313-577-1019. Uh, you can also go to the WDT Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Nicole in Farmington Hills. Nicole, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for taking my call. Obviously, living in Farmington, Farmington Hills, I'm aware of gerrymandering just because of the way they did our district. That doesn't make sense. I know Republicans that are frustrated that the primary voters only listen to extreme Republicans and Democrats that are frustrated that they're too extreme. But my question was really, other states besides Michigan have tried to do similar solutions. And people talk about California, but no one ever talks about Arizona. And what do your experts think about states like Arizona that have done independent redistricting commissions to try and just do a better process? Technology is just improving so much with maps that everyone's like, let the computers draw it, have a transparent process. It can't possibly be be worse than what they did last time. Yeah. So yeah. I just wanted to bring Arizona and computers into it. Nicole, really, really interesting uh, question and, and example there. Arizona, one of the states that is trying some things that are really different. Uh, Wes Pegden and Ariel Prakacha, what, what do you think of what Nicole is suggesting there? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that there's really a lot of, uh, you know, innovation going on right now in terms of, you know, what we can try to make this better. And the Arizona Commission is a good example, um, right? So, so I don't remember the precise details, but the Arizona Commission is somehow made up of, you know, Democrats, Republicans, and some independents, and then they have to somehow agree on districting. And, and I think, you know, the accounts that I've heard is, is that it's really improved the situation there. Um, and the point of our method is to give uh, another tool, another way that a state can try to do this, 
that uh, doesn't require them to have some way of identifying independent voters, right? Because, uh, or, you know, independent actors that, that will be able to draw fair, dis- uh, fair districting. Um, right. So this is, I would say, one drawback of, of these of these current methods is just that they they have put this burden on on uh, society to identify these these truly independent people. And if you think about, I mean, if you think about government agencies, I'm hard pressed to think of a, a standard government agency that has power and is really truly nonpartisan. Right. If you think about things like the Supreme Court, uh, you know, that on on their face would seem to be basically nonpartisan entities. Really, now in society, I mean, they've become. You know, they, they seem to have been imbued with a lot of partisanship. And so our point is just that it is possible for districting uh, to do this in a way that doesn't require this true independence. And, yeah, I mean, so that's mathematically an interesting point, and you know, we hope it, yeah, maybe contributes something to the, the conversation about what can really be done also. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, both Ariel and Wesley, what made you guys interested in what is inherently a political question and a political process? Uh, Ariel, you're a professor of computer science. Wesley, you're a professor of mathematics. Uh, this doesn't seem sort of a natural area of interest for you guys. Right, so um, in my case, I've had a long-standing interest in fair division and computational fair division, which deals with algorithms for fairly dividing stuff. And, you know, you mentioned the cake-cutting context where we have uh, kids or players dividing this cake. The cake can be metaphor for, a metaphor for more serious applications mm-hmm. uh, in a way that gives mathematical guarantees. And the beautiful thing about this gerrymandering, gerrymandering problem or redistricting problem is that it's uh, very closely related in the sense that we have a divisible good, which in our case is the state, and we have two players that are trying to divide it, and we want to achieve provable fairness guarantees. So even though um, this seems, um, you know, it seems at first glance like it wouldn't be related to mathematics, it actually has very close connections to these existing types of analysis and existing approaches that people have studied for decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes, uh, I, I know that uh, the, increasingly the parties who are involved in, in this uh, line drawing in states are engaging uh, math, math, mathematicians and computer science experts because of the sophistication of the software and the things like that uh, that, that, uh, that are involved. But again, I'm not sure that I know of any other or have heard of, of other cases of mathematicians and, and computer science experts going off on their own and saying, well, here's a better way to do this. So what, what, what turned you on to this? Yeah, so I first got interested in gerrymandering through another uh, project uh, that was, it was based around using randomness to evaluate whether a given districting is gerrymandered. So this is completely separate from this project that we're talking about now, which is uh-huh. giving a new way of drawing districts. Um, and uh, so I, I got interested in, in that problem just because of my interest in, in probability, which is, you know, a, a, this very interesting uh, area of mathematics. And there's a lot of interesting tools. And, and one seemed to have this very natural application in detecting gerrymandering. And so there was this project with me and, and, and some co-authors where we, where we worked on that. And that project sort of, you know, really made me a lot more aware of the whole gerrymandering problem. And then at that point, um, yeah, I was just talking about gerrymandering a lot with a lot of different people. And then these ideas came up with, with you know, fair division algorithms and, you know, RL is this expert in fair division. So it was, it was natural to, 
to try to collaborate on this and, yeah. and see what we could do. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, Ariel Prakacha, Associate Professor of Computer Science, Carnegie Mellon University, and Wesley Pegden, Associate Professor of Mathematical Sciences at Carnegie Mellon University. Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank That's you. Right. Up next, we're going to talk about gerrymandering and the case before the Supreme Court that it could affect everybody uh, in the way that they approach this question. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Judy in Detroit. Hodo in Detroit. We will get to you. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about partisan gerrymandering, the way that we draw district lines for state legislatures and for the U.S. Congress. Uh, lots of people thinking now maybe we ought to rethink the way we do that, that we really want to uh, approach it from a less partisan standpoint. There is a petition that is circulation here, circulating here in the state of Michigan uh, to put an issue on the ballot next year in 2018 that would switch from our current way of doing this to a bipartisan commission that would work together to come up with the lines that are drawn. We just talked with two professors from Carnegie Mellon University in Pennsylvania who have come up with yet another way to do it, a sort of back and forth between Republicans and Democrats without giving either party too much power in the negotiations so that uh, the map turns out to be fairer. Uh, now we want to switch to yet another case uh, involving this. A few weeks ago, the United States Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case that deals directly with gerrymandering, this time in the state of Wisconsin. Supreme Court must now decide whether it's constitutional for the court to tell states how to conduct their elections process fair or not. Uh, Wisconsin faces a similar political makeup as Michigan. It's a blue-collar Midwestern state that often votes Democratic in statewide elections, but is controlled by Republican majorities in their state house with a Republican governor. Joining us now to talk about that case uh, and what will maybe happen there in Wisconsin and throughout the country is Sean Johnson, a Capitol reporter with Wisconsin Public Radio. Sean, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so uh, this case was argued in front of the court a few weeks ago. I think uh, we may be looking at an end of term kind of decision for this, uh, given the, the, the gravity of the case. Uh, but but uh, just quickly tell us what's at stake here in the state of Wisconsin, how we got to this point where this issue is in front of the highest court in the, in the well, country. How we, how we got to this point in Wisconsin specifically is that we had, after the 2010 census, um, there was a Republican wave election. Republicans could, took over our state assembly, our state senate, and our governor's office. And so when redistricting uh, came, they had the power to draw the map that they wanted. 
and they drew one that uh, has given them an edge in the election since. One of the statistics that uh, Democratic plaintiffs point out, actually Justice Breyer pointed out when this case went before the U.S. Supreme Court was that in 2012, uh, even though Republicans only won 48% of the vote statewide in legislative races, they captured 60% of the legislative seats in the assembly. So, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a disconnect there. Right. And, you know, Republicans would say that's part of that's due to geography, and you have more Democratic voters packed in cities. Uh, but there's a, a strong argument to be made that it is due also to map makers who are more sophisticated than ever before. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's a very similar uh, uh, situation to, the, to what we face here in the state of Michigan. I mean, Michigan and Wisconsin are very similar states uh, in, in other respects um, as well. Uh, what, what, was the, what was the process, though, of uh, of challenging this uh, that that got it to the to the court. I mean, uh, that's that's something that hasn't been tried here. Uh, I'm curious of I'm curious about uh, how we got there in in Wisconsin. Yeah, so the, I mean, our map was challenged under more traditional redistricting standards back in 2012. Right. And in that go around, there was like one assembly district that had to be redrawn, but the map was upheld. And so what plaintiffs did after that case, though, is they, um, for a variety of reasons, they uh, had amassed this factual record of um, how Republicans had drawn these maps and w- that illustrated what they said, w- what they feel is a pretty strong case, that they did this on purpose, that they chose the most partisan map, uh, the most Republican-friendly map, among several alternatives and a map that would basically make it impossible for Democrats to ever gain a majority in our state assembly in Wisconsin. And so they felt like they had a strong factual case at that point, and that, you know, it had been since 2004 that the U.S. Supreme Court had really weighed in on the idea of partisan redistricting. And at the time, Justice Anthony Kennedy said he wasn't going to go there in that case, in that 2004 case involving a Pennsylvania map. Mm But he left open the possibility that in the future, the court should be open to striking down a legislative map as a partisan gerrymander if someone could come up with a reliable metric to figure out how partisan is too partisan. Mm -hmm. And so that's essentially the the question that's before the the court right now in a case that was tailor-made for Justice Kennedy very much is, uh, have they come up with that case and is now the time for the Supreme Court to step in and say, yes, there's a point at which redistricting can be too partisan. Yeah. Uh, again, we're talking about partisan gerrymandering this hour on Detroit Today. Uh, my guest is Sean Johnson, a Capitol reporter from Wisconsin Public Radio. Right now we're talking about the case that is before the United States Supreme Court that challenges the map that was drawn in the state of Wisconsin, says that it, it violates the Constitution in the way that it is partisan. Uh, What do you think about the way we do this here in the state of Michigan? Do you think you are well represented uh, by our state legislature, by our U.S. Congress? 
uh, based on the way that the lines are drawn uh, for the districts that you live in for those uh, for those representatives? Uh, or would you like to see us do it differently? Would you like to see us do it the way Arizona and some other states have attempted uh, to try to take politics out of the process. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So it's 313-577-1019. Have you signed the petition to try to get uh, this on the on the ballot next year here in Michigan so we can decide whether things are going to be different? You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Hodo in Detroit, uh, you're up next. Hey, how you Today. doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, now... The, the gerrymandering is a real thing, but legitimately, in the city of Detroit, through this just past election, the primary and the general, between 18 to 20 percent of the people only came out to vote. And that's not because of the gerrymandering, it's because they don't see any candidates worth their salt for them to vote for. As the media usually clicks in about, it was a majority, where well, you don't have a majority when you have over 800,000 people in the city of Detroit and probably 600,000 voters, and you get 18% of the people to come out and, and vote for you. So it's about the funding that the people who have been getting in their campaign funds, because Democrats mm. and Republicans, even the, the, the present president, has admitted that he's put funds from his businesses into Democrats and Republican hands. So a lot of times things don't change because of the lobbyists, because the lobbyists who work for those companies that put the money in the pockets of these campaign funds, write the actual camp, uh, the actual laws and bills for the yeah. people to bring to the county. Yeah, you know, Hodo, I think, you, yeah, I think you bring up a really important point there, which is that there is a voter cynicism that has sort of taken hold uh, that, that I think tells people that it, it won't matter what happens at the polls and that their voice doesn't make a difference. Uh, and, and some of the issues that you raise there, I think, are uh, sort of complementary to this redistricting issue. In other words, uh, the, the, the amount of money that's involved in campaigns, the quality of candidates, the transparency of, of campaigns also, I think, discourages people from, from taking place. Uh, and and maybe, maybe you're right that if we changed the way we drew the lines, it might not change those other things, and that you'd still have uh, you'd still have this cynicism that that depresses uh, voter voter turnout. But uh, but I mean, I, I guess the answer to that might be uh, let's take it one issue at a time. Uh, let's not sort of back away from this issue and say, well, we can't fix everything. But to say let's fix it all one at a time. But Hodo, I really appreciate the call uh, and the sentiments that you shared there. Let's go to Judy in Detroit. Judy, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, Stephen. Hey. Um, I was kind of appalled by your Republican guest. And it seems to me he's very typical of Republicans. He kept talking over you. Um, he didn't really want to consider the facts of the case in terms of how fair the voting is. Um yeah, I mean, it was a difficult it was a difficult conversation, but I do appreciate Stu Sandler, uh, someone I know and have known for a long time. I appreciate him coming in uh, or coming on the program and and sharing his his views. I, I wish he I do wish he had been more prepared to talk about the issue in substantive terms. Uh, he seemed very focused on 
making this into a, a partisan issue. And I tried to sort of uh, point out to him that that in other states, this is not a Democratic issue. It's a Republican issue in states where Democrats are in charge. And I wanted him to sort of address the the, the fairness of this. I think he I think he also uh, was was not prepared to deal with the the reality that that there are maps that we could draw that would look different and would represent people better and would meet all of the 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 the, the criteria would meet the voting rights act would meet the one person one vote he seemed he seemed not to want to engage in that so i was a little disappointed in that but i do appreciate uh, him having come in or come onto the show to, to talk about it judy i appreciate uh, your call as well, pointing out the things that he was not willing to talk about. Let's go to Vernon in Auburn Hills next. Vernon, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, good morning. Uh, interesting show again. I ran for state senate years ago, and I'm putting up political signs, and my uh, district was it was like a long, narrow strip where I had to put these signs up. I'm thinking, whoever set up this system, where why wouldn't you just square it off at the main road? And it didn't dawn on me. I was so naive. And I just thought whoever set up the, the boundaries <laughs> was a moron. And come to find out it was done for political purposes. It had nothing to do with what made sense yeah. for the guy that's got to put the signs up. Right. So it, it is frustrating, <laughs> and it is incredibly wrong. Right, that's a that's a great that's a great example, Vernon. I mean, somebody who's trying to run for office and has to sort of zigzag around his or her community to try to put, to try to put up lawn signs in the right places to figure out who's in who's in the district and who's not. I heard a very similar story from uh, Gary Peters, now U.S. Senator uh, from Michigan, who who used to represent us in in the Congress uh, when they redrew his district. Uh, they drew it. Uh, basically, right around his house, that uh, that that he they drew him out of his old district to try to force him to move into a new one. It's the estate shaped district that runs from the Detroit Riverfront front all the way up to Pontiac in this very circuitous way. So, I mean, I think that that's a really interesting uh, issue as well. Uh, Sean Johnson, uh, before we conclude the program, uh, tell me what people people in Wisconsin are saying about. Uh, this case and the possibility uh, of a ruling that would would change things. This has been a contentious political issue there, I know. Uh, what's the anticipation, I guess, on both sides? Well, I think you the, the anticipation is more from the Democrats at this point, and because they are powerless in Wisconsin, essentially, and sure. so they are putting a lot of uh, hope into this case and the the prospect that it raises for them to potentially win some races that they wouldn't win otherwise because if the the thought is that if the court steps in if justice kennedy says this is the time to do this and joins four other justices um the court could say we need new maps in wisconsin and um they're going to have to be more competitive than the current ones yeah. uh so that's where the anticipation is coming from is uh, is really from democrats um, you know, Republicans have have downplayed this all along the way, but uh, here it is before the U.S. Supreme Court, and you know nobody can really get in the mind of one Supreme Court justice and say exactly 
where he's at on this case. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I also I, I covered the court for for five terms in the last decade, and and I've always thought that that Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, uh, is another person who looks really carefully at things like this because it's about uh, the playing field, leveling the playing field. That it's a fairness issue rather than a partisan issue. So I'm sort of I'm sort of looking curiously at what he does here. In this case, too, he's not uh, shown any uh, predilection to, to to jump into the gerrymandering question, but I always always hold that out there. All right, uh, Sean Johnson, Capital Reporter for Wisconsin Public Radio. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. You're welcome. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.